Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get into our show. On today's show, we have Ari Rastigar joining us. Ari, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, before we head into today's interview, here's a little bit about Ari. Ari is the founder and CEO of Rastigar Property Company. He has established a reputation as a thought leader in real estate with his innovative, technology-driven investment approach and strategies. Ari's real estate investments span 32 cities across eight different states and includes multifamily units, mixed-use complexes, storage facilities, and more. Lastly, according to Forbes magazine, Ari is also locally known as the Oracle of Austin. So great. Looking forward to our interview with you, Ari. So before we start, go ahead and take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, first and foremost, I'm a husband and a father. Those are the two biggest achievements of my life. I put my name on the door because my grandfather asked me to uh, before he passed away. My family were immigrants, but I was born and raised in Austin, in the city that I love very, very much. And on the real estate side, we have several different verticals. We've invested agnostically, as you mentioned, in several different cities, seven different asset classes. And we're building out verticals for master plan developments. Where we're building over 4,000 houses in the Austin MSA to office building construction and office building acquisition. We have a very large multifamily platform which is part of the impetus of, uh, of this call, mostly based here in Austin on the multifamily side. Although we're focused on expanding those different asset class verticals throughout the Sun Belt, which is the major focus for our next five years. Awesome. Well, you have quite the portfolio. So thanks for sharing there. Today, we're actually going to talk about mixed use assets. So can you first give a little bit of a description of what mixed use is, and then also talk a little bit about your portfolio in that asset class? Sure. Um, so, I mean, so mixed use is a, you know, is a pretty loose word. And effectively what it means is there's different types of asset classes that are combined in one development. That could be an office building next to apartments. It could be a shopping mall um, next to apartments. But it really just really exemplifies different types of, you know, whether it's retail, whether it's uh, office, whether it's industrial, um, all being in a conglomerate community in one type, one set of development. In general, so our master plan development in Kyle, Texas, which is on 320 acres, we're one of the largest owners in Kyle. And the listeners that don't know, Kyle is on I-35, about 15 miles south of Austin. So it's very much still in within the Austin MSA. You know, very easy to get to Tesla's new Gigafactory, where we actually own 50 acres next to Tesla's new Gigafactory, where we're building 600,000 square feet of industrial. Incidentally, so within that master plan community, and Kyle as an example, we have a brewery that we're putting there, a barbecue restaurant, uh, as well as a coffee shop and a local deli. 
people building multifamily in addition to single family homes. So that would be a mix, an example of a mixed use project that we're working on that we look to break ground in the next eight months. Got it. And so it sounds like you do new builds versus buying existing. No, no, no. Well, we, we do both. I mean, our bread and butter is existing, you know, is existing value add projects. So that's really what we've done for the bulk of my career. And we're actually venturing into new developments ourselves now. So we did a deal recently, you know, with Intercorp and Calsters, which is the second largest pension fund in the world. We retained a profit participation interest in the property. It was a nine property assemblage to build condos just outside of Austin, which is our first kind of real development that's breaking ground really soon. But we're breaking ground on seven new development projects this year. But the bulk of my career has always been to buy existing assets, got renovate them, bring them up to a much higher standard. And that's really been our bread and butter over the years when we were expanding that platform. Okay. Is now a good time to invest in mixed use assets? That's a loaded question, you know, because right now it depends on where. And so if we use Atlanta as an example, which is a city that I love, it's growing and you know, a very vibrant city. There's some parts of Atlanta that the answer is no. And there's other parts that the answer is yes. You know, cities like Austin, Texas that are, you know, we have 156 people a day moving here. So, you know, mixed use in certain areas that have very high density are much more favorable. So it really, you know, it has to be assessed on a case by case basis not only at the macro beta level of the city, but really specifically where that is. But you'll see a lot more mixed-use properties coming down the line, certainly in cities like Phoenix and Nashville, Campus St. Pete, Charlotte, Austin, Dallas, you know, cities that are experiencing you know, high growth because of company relocations. Yeah. On your new build stuff for mixed-use, how are you deciding kind of what that mixed use is in that kind of, you know, breakdown of whether it's multifamily office or even restaurants? It's a really good question. It's a really good question and something that we spend a lot of time on. You know, we're we're very much a technology data company at our core. You know, although real estate of course is a product and a service, but it's really about adding value to the community. And so when you're building that many homes, you know, and Kyle is an example, you know, you have to look at the different types of prospective tenants and what they're looking for. And, you know, the ethos of Rastigar is, is servitude, is making sure that we're offering a better standard of living. And in a project of that magnitude on hundreds and hundreds of acres, you know, you could do just a bunch of tract homes like some people do. But we're looking to what we're calling futuristic suburbanism, of how people will live in the future. And me being a millennial myself, you know, thinking of how Gen Z is going to live, how millennials are going to live and how technology and pop culture you know, integrate into that, creating Instagrammable moments, creating places where people can walk. We're actually putting an elementary school on our property. So it's about really what the community really needs and, you know, what the viability of that is on a demand basis, not only for the city to make sure that we're enhancing, you know, the community, but what the end user tenants um, are really going to utilize, need, and to help, you know, sustain and create a better standard of living. Got it. How long are these projects for the mixed use ground up? Um, it depends on the size. I mean, again, it's, you know, if you're building 50 story high rise office buildings next to, you know, high rise multifamily buildings, it could be, you know, five year projects. You know, if you're building single family homes, you know, in some instances, they can be built in 14 months. You know, if you're building mixed use that has industrial, industrial typically takes between 10 to 14 months to build. 
Um, so again, back to really understanding what is being built. Like for example, in Austin, there's an area called the Domain. And the Domain is a massive, massive development on hundreds of acres. And you know, they have tons of retail shopping centers. They also have, you know, 30-story office buildings. And you know, there's just so it's it's very hard to answer that question on a holistic basis. It depends on the community, the project, and you know what the value creation strategy is. Mm-hmm. How have you kind of developed your experience in all these different asset classes? I mean, you know, mixed use, like you said, is very broad. And so it's multifamily office, restaurants, whatever it may be. And so you've got to have a team of experts around you. But how did you build up your experience? Well, I mean, I started the company with a $3,000 loan when I was in law school. I mean, so, you know, we didn't have much growing up. I delivered pizzas through college. But when it came to Austin, you know, when Google Fiber installed a billion dollars of hardware in 2013, we saw some writing on the wall of what the city really could become and the city that I'm from. And it's very much a town more so than it is more so it's a city. So, you know, I use individual smaller assets, whether it's retail, like we own a, a small retail project. We have a you know, great credit restaurant tenant in and really understood that asset class and really went small and started to understand, okay, what is this, what would this retail thing look like? Understanding all the nuances of the financings of how the rents are looked at and, you know, how the tenant experience works, how long it takes to develop, you know, whether it's gut renovating the interiors and that goes to all different asset classes. So the first apartment complex that I bought that wasn't like a joint venture was only 23 units. So it was about, you know, kind of learning how to ride a bike while riding a bike and, you know, finding the areas that we wanted to invest in and looking at a big map and using Austin as that prototype and then investing agnostically in very small projects that still had, you know, favorable returns based upon our analysis and stress testing. And, you know, although I guess according to Forbes and the Oracle of Austin, I very much, you know, make decisions based on math, you know, not based on a crystal ball, right? So it's about starting small. And understanding that and working out all the kinks when the problems could be smaller problems and not bigger problems. And once we've begun to correct those issues, understand them better, understand the supply chain, build relationships with vendors, build relationships with contractors, consultants, property management, and understanding all those nuances, the natural iteration was to grow that vertical. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of peel back the onion a little bit on when you mentioned you kind of lay out a map of Austin and, you know, how you select the areas that you want to invest? I think there's a lot of investors out there that choose a market and they kind of invest all over in that market. How do you go about like locating and pinpointing certain specific areas? I mean, we have a 70 point proprietary due diligence checklist that we've created over the past 12 years. And there's many factors that go into it. It has to do with, you know, density of population. It has to do with walkability. It has to do with, you know, who the tenant base are, median, knowing what to build, how close they are to prospective jobs, you know, where we're seeing population growth, tracking large credit tenants, whether it's a Lowe's or a Target. I'm just using names of where they are in proximity to the project. So there's, so many factors that go into deciding what that looks like. And we were able to identify within this Austin MSA, a few pockets, so to speak, that we felt based upon math, based upon population migration and convenience and a whole slew of other issues, including utilizing artificial intelligence and machine learning and a robust investment committee of, you know, believable people that share different vantage points and different opinions. And coming up with what we felt was the right answer. 
Yeah. So I always say aim small, miss small, you know, in the golf industry, which is where we were originally from. What's your advice to newer investors that are, you know, going about that when they're looking for new properties? It's tougher when you're first getting started, right? Versus when you're established that kind of just pick a couple markets and go after the entire market versus kind of aiming small and missing small. It's crawl, walk, run, you know, and I've always, you know, really ascribe to that mentality as a human being and, you know, working out the kinks. I like problem solving, you know, in general. I was actually an English major attorney by trade and just understanding the nuances and really being in the details. And I love the process. Like, I really enjoy, you know, understanding these issues and hearing different ideas and looking at different data points and continue refining those things, building new technologies to just offer, you know, a better and user experience, you know, and that's really what our ethos is all about. And I find that when you try to go big in general without working out those kinks, those are usually ego-driven decisions. And so when the decision is to find the right answer versus what you would like to do or want to do, or, you know, you want to own the whole world, if you're looking to build a long-term sustainable business, you know, going small is, you know, the big picture is made up of a lot of small pictures. So you can keep your mindset on building that big portfolio as we have now, obviously, but, you know, being a 39-year-old CEO, founder, self-made, I really didn't have a choice but to go small. You know, that was kind of what it was, but it was still the right decision. That was be the advice I'd give to anybody. You know, if you're starting a fund and you have partners, you know, deals are like buses, as Richard Branson says, you know, deals keep coming and going, but you have to understand what your goal is, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. And what you believe in, you know, based upon math and data and analytics. And so when we selected these prototype sections of Austin, it was a confluence of events that really put that together. But we started with single assets, understood them as best we could, and carved into all the nitty-gritty details because... As in the words of the notorious B.I.G., more money, more problems. So, (laughs) you know, small kids, small problems, you know. Perfect. Uh, That's always been kind of our philosophy because, you know, we're a capital preservation-based firm. You know, we're we're looking for singles and doubles. You know, we're not looking for the next, you know, big home run. And slow and steady wins the race has always been our ethos. And our institutional investors... Is the bulk of our, you know, capital, public pension funds, insurance companies, family offices, athletes, celebrities, you name it. You know, at the end of the day, I find that not losing money is very underrated. So it's about risk-adjusted returns. And if you have a focus on not losing money, and many deals that we've done, you know, in the past, you know, didn't make as much as maybe we thought that we would. But with a focus on capital preservation, you don't lose money. And so that's kind of how we look at deals is more from a capital preservation standpoint than looking for the Yeah, Awesome. You talked about a little bit, you know, vertical versus horizontal mixed use. What's the difference? And do you like investing one versus the other? I like what the community needs. Like I, you know, for me, I have my ideas and my thoughts of what I think would be right, what I think would be great, even if it's a color scheme, as an example, like, you know, our apartments are trademark or Ferrari red doors. And, you know, our joke is it's for Ari, you know, whatever. But we like that. And and it was an idea we experimented with. And it turned out that the tenants liked it as well. You know, so there's a difference between what my opinion is as Ari versus what the right decision is for the community or for the tenants and being able to bifurcate those things and always keep your customer and your consumer's interests ahead of your own is, I think, where you avoid a lot of trouble. 
Mm-hmm. What should investors be cautious about when considering to invest in mixed-use assets? Mixed-use is really complicated. There's a lot of moving parts, and every asset class comes with its own different financing mechanisms. It comes with its own timelines of development. It comes with its different lease-up strategies. Office buildings have tenant improvements. You know, when you're renovating apartments, you know, you've got renovating, changing sheetrock and mechanical. There's just so many different things when you're building different asset classes that you need to make sure you have a robust team of experts that understand that asset class. So even though it's a mixed-use project, holistically, in my opinion, you should have dedicated teams of experts that are working on each individual piece of that mixed-use project. So you have subject matter experts. And at the end of the day, it becomes mixed-use. But in reality... You know, someone in retail did the retail. Someone that did does office did the office. Someone that does apartments did the apartments. And then it turns into the mixed use is when you try to be the jack of all trades. You know, we know how the cliche goes. Perfect. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Yep. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Ari, let's wrap this up. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Great people. Can you tell us a story about one of your biggest mistakes in real estate investing? And what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Sure. You know, well, my book comes out on June 25th. It's called The Gift of Failure. So I hope people read it. It covers in detail a lot of mistakes that I made over the years and, you know, kind of failing forward, so to speak. But, you know, one of the bigger mistakes was. You know, me, and it's not about a deal per se. You know, one thing is when I was in law school building single family homes in 2008 hit, I didn't have enough of an understanding of the financial markets. I had a great partner that we were able to weather through it and you know, make it all make sense. I went to Wall Street, but just really understanding the mechanics of, you know, how real estate is financed, how the capital stack works, and just getting to the fundamentals of real estate purism. But more than anything, it was my ego and wanting to be right or wanting to do a project I wanted to do or I thought was beautiful or countertops that I thought were great as opposed to what the consumer needed. And so more of a philosophical mistake than it was on a deal, on a deal mistake. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? I like the way you phrased that. So I've had a life coach for 12 years. You know, I'm very much into self-development. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a very curious person. I read five to 15 books a week. That's the kind of English major lawyer in me. Uh, my parents are both voracious readers. But it's about marrying, you know, great technology and efficiencies with great with a great team. You know, and it's really that marriage of the two and finding a balance where you know, you still have the human element, which is very much part of real estate because everything is real estate. If you think about it, you're sitting in real estate right now, you drive on real estate. You know, so it's a very big word, but, you know, in this age, this technology age and all these great tools that are out there for a variety of different usages need to be utilized. So having, you know, 
a team that understands technology and marrying that with the human element of experienced, you know, veterans, but also having, you know, really, really smart junior people as well, because it's amazing what I learned about just the culture and the needs from our younger staff, you know, people doing their, you know, their interns. Like it's, I've, you know, heard some of the most, some of the greatest ideas just from interns that have been here that are 18, 19, 20 years old of things that the old people just don't think about and just really listening to the broader spectrum of very believable people, as Ray Dalio says, like, and that's the key, having clean data, because you have to make decisions based on clean data and making sure that everyone has a voice because we all don't have the pieces, all the puzzle pieces, but together we have a higher probability of success if everybody has a voice. All right. And finally, where can people find out more about you? I'm pretty easy to find. You know, I mean, if you just Google my name, Ari Rastegar, just type in Rastegar or Rastegar Property or at Rastegar Instagram. If you want to find me, it's not that hard. We've been covering, I think, every major publication at this point, from Wall Street Journal to Forbes, the New York Times, New York Post, you name it. So if you want to find me, you can find me pretty quickly or at least find somebody on my team that can find me. Great. Well, thanks, Ari, for the educational content and spending some time with our listeners today. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.